If you read in the book, this, the title for this forum was taken from uh, something that Keith Green said. Does anyone know who Keith Green was? Okay. Died in 1982 in a plane crash, 28, 29 years old. Had an awesome ministry called Last Day Ministries. And uh, actually took a family of six and his two children uh, in Texas. They went up for just a little plane ride on a small Cessna and they, they crashed and he died. But he said this, if your heart takes more pleasure in reading novels or watching TV or going to the movies or talking to friends rather than just sitting alone with God and embracing Him, sharing His cares and His burdens, weeping and rejoicing with Him, then how are you going to handle forever and ever in His presence? You'll be bored to tears in heaven if you're not ecstatic about God right now. I asked you earlier, before some of you came in, how many of you are Christians? I don't know where you are in life right now. Some of you may be professing believers. Some of you may be counseling with your ministers and some brothers to get baptized. Some of you are just sitting on the fence, which we've told you over and over again. Who owns the fence? Does anyone know who owns the fence that you're sitting on? Satan. You are either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of darkness. Plain truth. Plain as day. You either belong to God or you belong to the demonic realm of the kingdom of hell. Listen, some of you, most of you know me. I'm not going to rattle your emotions just so I can get a reaction from you. I don't want to rattle your chains just to get a reaction from you. I want every one of you to start this weekend camp Asking yourself, what is your purpose in life? Why were you made? What is God's plan for you? Before we get there, we need to know something about God. The God we serve. The God who made you. We're going to talk about four things. Number one, holiness. God calls us to be holy. Those of you that aren't Christians, for you that's Chinese. I hope I didn't offend anybody who's Chinese here. You're not going to know what holiness is all about because you're not in the kingdom of God. You're going to just see it from afar off. You're going to be able to almost touch it. But I want to tell you right now, I can give you the assurance that you can experience it firsthand if you just fall on your knees and surrender your life to Yahweh, to Jehovah, to Adonai, to God Almighty. For some of you who are in the same boat as I am, who are called Christians, who are called by the name of God, this will be a challenge this week for us to really experience and understand the holiness of God. And when I'm done this forum, I want you to, if you want to learn more about this forum, I want to encourage you to pick up James McDonald's series. Some of you have heard of James McDonald. His series, No More Games. I was told to build the forum on, on, his, um, on that series. And that's going to go into, that goes into much more detail than what I'm going to talk about. But we want to talk about the holiness of God. Look at these verses. Revelation 4.8 Holy, holy, holy is Jehovah God the Almighty. You know where this picked up? Do you guys remember who Isaiah was? Let me try that again. Do you guys remember who Isaiah was? Right. Let's get a reaction here, guys. Don't please fall asleep. I'll start picking on you, I promise. Isaiah 6, 
says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He's got this vision. He sees God sitting on this throne, high and lifted up. Some of you know that praise and worship song, high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. Does anyone know what that means? His train, what's, what's another ver- word for train? His what? Pardon me? Robe? But, but further? Who's married here? Hopefully none of you guys, but who's married here? Well, not hopefully. I shouldn't say that. Marriage is good. I mean, if you're you know you're married, that's good. But if you're 19 and married, you're in trouble. But um, what's another word for train? Correct. Okay. This veil, this 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 train. It says filled the temple. I don't know how big this temple was, and it says above it stood the seraphim. Each Isaiah's got this vision of God's temple. He says, above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. But just try to envision this. With twain, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Two are covering his face, these wings. Two are covering his feet, and two are allowing the seraphim to fly. And one cried unto unto another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Listen, young men and women, you'll grow to appreciate this. And I pray that God would tarry to allow you to grow up strong in the Lord. You'll realize that God is not a big grandpa in the sky. He's not your buddy in the sky. He's a consuming fire. God is real. And He has a precise plan for every one of us. He couldn't look at this. He said... I said, woe is me, for I'm a man of, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah fell and I said, I can't look at this. I can't stand, I can't, I can't bear the presence of the Lord. We have a small little glimpse of how good God is here. An angel then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand. He flies over, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, lo, this hath Touch thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. And that's what Christ did for every one of you. Every one of you, if you're not converted, you're falling on your knees and say, I am a man, woman, of unclean lips. I'm undone. I have no purpose in life. I promise you right now, if you don't have Christ in your life, you have no purpose in life. I, I promise you that. Because the Word of God says it. You'll run forever and ever. We talked about this in, in Kitchener some couple months back at ICFG weekend. You'll run. You'll try to fill your life. The world will tell you there's a different purpose. The world didn't make you. The Bible says you were fashioned in your mother's womb. Your your Creator made you for a purpose. And until you plug into that purpose, you waste your life. I know some of you listen to Christian rap, right? Who listens to Christian rap? It's going to be on recording. They can't see your hands, so go ahead. I won't tell anyone. You ever hear that song, Don't Waste Your Life? I think Lecrae sings it. He's like, yeah, he's going to start singing it right now. <laughs> Don't waste your life. I'm not going to get into Christian rap. I'm going to just mention that he, the lyrics are so true. Don't waste your life now. First Peter, the Apostle Peter says, in accord with the Holy One who called you, do also become holy yourselves. You ever hear the verse, be holy for... Pardon me? Correct. Be holy for I am holy. What is God asking us to do? To be holy. Look at God's not tell, dangling something in front of us who can't reach it. He's telling us to be holy because He is holy. Young people, 
The Bible is full of examples that God chooses and uses and abuses young people for the kingdom's sake. You think you have to be older. You think you have to be a minister. You think you have to be some prominent position. A slave, Joseph, who was sold into slavery, 17 years old, becomes the most powerful man next to Pharaoh. That's God. Listen, young men and women, our God is big. He's huge. We serve a big God, not a small God. Not a God that comes and says, Hi, welcome to church on Sunday. The God who says, wakes you up in the morning, says, Come on. The God who puts you to sleep at night. The God who watches over you overnight. And the God that guides you every waking moment of your life. We serve a big God. He's got a big plan and a big purpose for us. No more games. Take this seriously. We live in a time that's full of games. People are full of games and full of wasted time. They're spending useless energy or energy on useless things. First Thessalonians. I'm going to go through these. He says, moreover, sorry, Peter says, you must be holy because why? I am holy. Moreover, may the Lord cause you to increase. Yes, make you abound in love to one another and to all, even as we also do to you. To the end, why? That he may make your hearts firm. Unblameable in what? In what? It's right in front of you. You better read it. In what? In holiness. Before our God and the Father, at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all holy ones. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in God's fear. You know why God used young people? I, I, I believe, listen, I converted at 16 years old. I know what it's like to be a teenager and a, a Christian. It's tough. You're going through all that sexuality stuff. You're going through that boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. You're going through that drug stuff, that cigarettes, the rebellion. It's all being bombarded. It's all being pushed down on you. That's real. Listen, if anybody tells you, what's wrong with you? Say, I'm a teenager. That's it. You're going through what's normal in life. When I say normal, it's what the world that you are in offers you. But that's why I believe that there's a huge blessing for young people to take God's holiness seriously. And that's why God calls young people, because you will stand in stark contrast to the world around you. When all your friends are doing those things that cater to the flesh, and when they serve their God, who is Satan, you stand in stark contrast to that, because God enables you to. Colossians, do not be lying to one another. Strip off the old personality, or the old man, with its practices. Clothe yourselves with the new personality, which through accurate knowledge of the Word of God is being made new according to the image of the One who created it. It's calling us to be holy. On the other hand, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kind. These are things that are becoming of a young man and woman in Christ. Joy, peace, long-suffering. Listen, when I talk about the holiness of God, I'm not talking about you walking around with doom and gloom. You know, holiness of God, because God is this almighty, powerful, serious being that you have to walk around on pins and needles. You do. You absolutely do if you're outside of Christ. I won't sugarcoat it. You better walk on pins and needles because you're dealing with God. And God calls you to repentance and you're rejecting. You're saying, I'm not interested. God says, yeah. you know what you're doing? You put your hand over God's mouth. And for that, you'll give a, great, a, a huge, huge account. I promise you that. I wish I could tell you something that, you know, I want to, listen, God loves you, but part of His love is His wrath, is His judgment, is His pleading with you. Don't ignore Him. 
You can't shut up God. He says, let a God be true, but every man a liar. But for those of us who are in Christ, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can be holy and happy and full of joy, have these fruits of the Spirit, because we come and we have access because of what Christ did for us. Before I go on, anyone want to share anything? Does anyone want to... Is anybody... Convicted to share something? Or add something? Ephesians. Let a rotten saying not proceed out of your mouth. But whatever saying is good for building up as the need may be, that it may impart what is favorable to the hearers. Listen, young men and women, you just don't read the Bible as, you know, I don't know how many people just... How some people can just read the Bible and just put it down and just go on with their lives. It says, don't let a rotten thing come out of your mouth. Who here has allowed a rotten thing to come out of, your, come out of their mouth? It says, don't let a rotten thing come out of your mouth. So what's God going to say? Okay, you slipped up on that. I, I'm sorry I put that verse in the Bible. This is His Word. He means what He says and He says what He means. God's calling us to be holy. And He's going to hold us accountable to that. But whatever saying is good for building up as the need may be, that it may impart what is favorable to the hearers. Think about your hearers. And then he says to Colossians, but now really put them all away from you. Wrath, anger, badness, abusive speech, obscene talk out of your mouth. We're going to talk about that. Do not be lying to one another. Strip off the old personality with its practices and clothe yourselves with the new personality, which through accurate knowledge being made new according to the image of the one who created it. Consequently, I entreat you by the compassions of God, brothers, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, a sacred service with your power of reason. Fruits of holiness. You love the truth. You love the truth. This could be a checklist on your holiness. Kindness. You are kind. You're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. You're young now. That's a good thing. But you have to practice kindness. That includes your parents. That includes your teachers, if some of you are still in school or in college, university, wherever you are. That includes your bosses. The worst example you can be is you can quote Scripture left to right from Genesis to Revelation and be the worst example in your walk. If your walk doesn't match your talk, you are a huge what? Pardon me? Correct. Hypocrite comes from the Greek word actor. You're acting. You're acting as if you're a Christian. But you're not acting like one. We're trying to learn what is pleasing the Lord. Purity. We have to be pure. This is for you young men and women. You need to be pure. I remember telling the Pelham kids when I was converting, some of them are here still, I told them that I was a virgin until I got married. And the whole class was laughing. <laughs> He's a virgin, a 40-year-old virgin, whatever they called me. But anyways, you know, they're all making fun of me and everything else. And At the end of the day, they all stopped laughing. I told you guys as well. And I said, so what's so funny? Let me tell you something. You're more of a man and a woman to say no than you are to give in to sexual impurity. You say no because it's God's body that's prepared you for something way better when you're in the covenant of marriage. You experience those things. Outside of marriage, it messes you up. It messes your mind up, your emotions, because you're dealing with something prematurely. That act of intimacy, you're all old enough. That act of intimacy is beautiful. It's from God. But it's from Satan if it's acted upon prematurely. You indulge in that 
after you're in the covenant of marriage. Not before. Purity. Don't pretend. Don't pretend you're something you're not. And most of us guys are, you know, we're like, we act like macho man. We're like, yeah, we're cool. and We're losers. <laughs> well, you're losers. I'm not. <laughs> Don't pretend you're something you're not. Don't partake. You're pushed to do drugs. Some of you that are unconverted. You're pushed to do drugs. Your choices that you make will affect you. You're pushed to get involved in things that are not godly. Look, at you're in a war. You're in a war for your soul. You gotta understand this. Don't sit there and say, well, I don't want to be in the you know unpopular group. Popular? You want to populate hell? Go ahead. Don't participate in evil deeds. Rather, try to expose evil deeds. Be the one that stands up. Remember, you stand up for truth. You say no to those things. Guess who's on your side? Who? I just told you he wasn't called the big guy. This guy goes a big guy. God. Did you say it? My guy is a girl. So I'm sorry. You're right. God is on your side. Listen, when God is on your side, the Bible said if God is for us, who could be against? Can you imagine when you say no to your 15, 5, 3, or in this guy's case, one friend that you have? You know what? You say no. You say no to that person. You say no to them. God Almighty is on your side. You have the creator of the universe that says, this man. This woman is standing up for what's right. Is standing up for me. Because God's voice speaks through us. Stop calling yourself a follower of Christ and live like it. Purity is the next one I want to talk about. My computer just turned off. Purity. I want to ask you something. We talked about Joseph. Joseph goes from being a slave. He was sold into slavery by who? Pardon me? His brothers. Speak up. There's enough here. We, I want everybody here. Don't be shy. I mean, listen. It's, we're all in the same boat. I want somebody feeling like I'm going to say something stupid. I've already said a hundred things that are stupid. Don't worry about it. Seriously. We're being real. We want to be real before God. Joseph was sold in slavery by his brothers. He becomes the right hand to Pharaoh. On his way up that ladder, guess what happens? Potiphar's wife comes by, and this is all from Satan, right? Wants to trip him up. God has a plan for you to prosper, to go forward. Satan's like, I've got to get that person. The moment God's blessing you, Satan's right there. Satan's counter. He's trying to pull you down. You've experienced that. You get close to the Lord, all of a sudden, all these temptations come your way. You start seeking the Lord, you start counseling, all of a sudden things go, you know, out in left field, you're starting doing things, you're getting tempted, you're getting weak, you're... because Satan is putting the pressure on you. And he wants to trip you up. You've got a huge bullseye on your back. You're in war. The Bible says that our weapons of warfare are not carnal. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. That's our war. We don't, we don't fight with machine guns. much of you guys would like that, you know? But we don't. We fight a spiritual warfare. Joseph going up the ladder. Potiphar's wife comes by and says, hey, you know what? Let's do something bad. He says, never. And she gets so dissed. She takes his jacket off, right? Or his, or his, his coat or his robe, whatever it is. And he runs because he can't get away from her. So he's like, you know, take that. And he takes off. 
And she screams. She says, this Hebrew guy wanted to rape me. Joseph goes to prison. Joseph refused those moments of pleasure because he believed that God had something beautiful and awesome for him. Young men and women, when the Potiphar's wife, whatever that is, comes your way, run, flee from the devil, it says. Flee all unrighteousness because know that God has something better for you. Don't get persuaded or bullied into believing a lie. Philippians 4.8 And then I want to get into this survey here. I want to talk about this a little. Some of you are going to feel a little uncomfortable with this. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. I promise you, being a Christian is the best thing in the world. It's the funnest, most awesomest. Is that a word? It is here at form, okay? In this form. It's the best thing in the world. You've got the joy of the Lord. You're secure in the love of Christ. Harm, death can't, has no victory over you. Christ has taken death over you, uh, away from you. Think on these things. Live righteous, holy, purpose-driven lives. Not the Rick Warren book. Okay. Although I, I haven't read the book, so I can't really comment on it. Ten-point survey. When was the last time you made a crude joke or laughed at one? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Can I talk to you after? <laughs> All of us have fallen into that trap. We may not have said the crude joke, but you laughed at it. You know why? Because when the joke is said, it's very uncomfortable to just have a serious face. You're like, you're going to feel sorry and you're going to kind of feel stupid for the guy beside you. Like, But hey, if you really care, if you really want to stand up for God, you don't have to jump all over the person, but you don't laugh. Allow that act to convict the person. That's good. Conviction is good. It's from God. When was the last time you sat through a sexual scene on TV without turning it off? Don't say yesterday. We started camp yesterday. <laughs> I hope and pray you didn't watch us yesterday. When's the last time? I'm not looking for an answer. Ask yourself that question. Now, or did you kind of say, well, I'm turning it off. Fast forward. You indulge in it. You're sitting there. You're watching. You're, you're justifying. You're like, well, you know, they deserve to be together. He's the hero. Oh, so nice. It's sin. It's sin. Do your eyes look over someone attractive? Not saying, oh, she's pretty. God made her such a wonderful girl. Are you checking her out? Or are you checking him out? Remember, these are all gateways to allowing the devil to cause you to sin. This applies to believer and unbeliever alike. Specifically to believer. We have to watch where we look. Men, especially guys, we're visual creatures. We, women are not. We're like, whatever. We're not. We're like Googles and I and you know, all that sort of stuff, you know. 
we're Googling, we're, we're visual creatures. And, and women, I want to tell you something. And I'm going to get this later. Men are visual creatures. Watch how you dress. Just watch how you dress. Because you know what? I know, I, I'm persuaded. Maybe there's some of you that really say, oh, I look really good and I really want to show my body off. But keep in mind that men are visual creatures. Listen, I'm being very serious here, guys. Girls, watch how you dress. Don't allow your brother's eyes to wander. You are your brother's keeper because God will hold you accountable for that. There's a place where that is revealed, and that is in the covenant of marriage. Listen, guys and girls, I hope you don't think I'm legalistic. I'm not going to tell you how long your dress needs to be. That's legalism. You know what legalism says? Legalism says what? All movies are bad. And you can hear this on this James McDonald. He says the same thing. All movies are bad, right? That's what legalism says. Or all music is bad. Or all, all pants are bad. Or That's legalism. It, it draws a line in the sand. License says everything's okay. Well, who am I to judge? God's giving you a good body. Flaunt it. It's all cool. Don't worry. You know, they're judgmental. They're old-fashioned. They're so traditional. They're so legalistic. That's license. We don't want to be on either extreme. We want to sit there and say, is what I'm wearing godly? Is what I'm wearing going to cause my brother or my sister to stumble? Ask yourself that question. And young women, you have that power because God has made men to be visual creatures. It's just the way God's wired us to be. Please be careful. Men, watch your eyes. Bounce your eyes. Anybody watch, read the book? I Kiss Dating Goodbye, I think it was. No, it was, um, it was another book talked about pornography, actually. Victory over pornography. And he said how he found victory over pornography was he would bounce his eyes. In other words, he'd, he'd, he'd be driving or walking and see a girl, and he'd be wanting to check her out, he'd just bounce his eyes. He'd look at something else. Now, unfortunately, we live in a time, and, and the truth is that you bounce your eyes for one thing, there's something else there in front of you. It's true, you know what I mean? The guys are like, that's so true, you know? If you want to become monks, I'm okay with it. No, I'm not. Listen, we live in the world. Christ had his prayer. He says, I pray, Lord, that you don't take them from the world, but they, out of the world, but that you keep them from the world. Men, bounce your eyes. Young Christian men, purity, holiness, soldiers for Christ. That's what we're called to be. That's a real man. The other one's a sleazebag. I'm sorry. You be a man of God. And you stand up and you have integrity. Because you know what? I, I, I worry about the next generation, the women. Because they're going to marry geeks. Guys who are, who are addicted to video games, to, in some cases, pornography, and in some cases, they have no job and they have no purpose in life. Men, be real men. Be real men. Godly men. With a purpose. Are there dirty words in your vocabulary that, you, that link you to the world and not to Christ? Nobody else is looking. When you say things, when they come out of your mouth, and people, you know, you'll be surprised that you said it. But nobody around you knows you. They're not from church. They're your friends. God sees that. God sees that. You read books that tell stories of immorality, you rationalize the enjoyment of them. I remember some young women, before they converted, they were reading these Harlequin romance books. You know, the guy, the guy's always got this crazy body and he's only this girl. He's like, you know, ridiculous. It's all set up. Guys don't have bodies like that. 
Just kidding. The point is, they got carried, you know, you get carried away. You, you, you fantasize. And then you know what that does? When you get married, you expect your life to be like this book, like this romantic book. And the book's fiction. It's not real. Because in life, you get bumps. And you're like, I married the wrong one. I did. You see, all these things come to you because you made choices early on in life. You go places where the sexual atmosphere is thick and not feel troubled. We're specifically talking about sexual impurity. It's sexual purity. You go, you know, your high school dance. Some of you, you know, it's a prom. It's, it's nice. It's, it's, it's innocent. Nothing innocent about that. You want to be pure. You're called out. You're here at camp. You're from whatever background you're from. You are here for a purpose, and that is because God has a calling in your life. A higher calling. Are you now or even the past struggling with an attraction to someone you shouldn't be? Do people sense a freedom to be off-color around you? That's a big one. Can people freely say dirty things around you? Swear in front of you? It took a while, you know, for me to really kind of feel uncomfortable. People said the F word, even at work. Now, you know, people are like, oh, sorry, my bad. Or, you know, because they just know that I'm not comfortable with that. You're more of a man to bridle your tongue. Listen, for every one thing that I've done right, I'm, I'm sure there's three that I haven't done right, but, but stand up for those things. Do people sense a freedom? How do your convictions about what you watch differ from the world? And what do you do if someone questions your beliefs? How many of you are open Christians? Not judgmental Christians. Not holier than thou. How many of you are open with your beliefs? Anybody have an example want to share? About somebody testifying or, or having this conversation with somebody your age, your peer, about Christ? Yes? Well, the example I make it known to people that I don't cuss. And for maybe like a year after, a year when I started doing that, People didn't really notice, but then after that, now people, like my friends around me, if they say something, they'll be like, oh, sorry, old you doesn't cuss or something like that. So, I mean, it's just a way that I've seen it progress, thanks to God, being standing strong for what he wants. Good. Yes? Just generally, um, praying before you eat at school, people notice really quickly. Good. Yeah, yeah, that dude's big, you know. Lord, thank you for this meal I'm about to have. Praise your name. Listen, if you want to do that, I'll par to you. I mean, I, I would have loved to do that. You know what? Have a prayer. Let people see. But you want to thank God for the meal. Good. Someone else. Thank you. That was a good example. I totally messed it up. Pretty much what you were saying. Same thing at work. Like, I'll like, say swear like a lot, and I'll catch them like last minute. We'll just change the word quickly. Good. Good. That's excellent. Let me uh, play something for you guys here for a moment. Anyone else have any other examples before I play this? Yes? I just want to say, like, I found that in my life, especially if you're close to God and you're walking with Him, you don't necessarily have to try to do anything. People see the difference in you when it's God's life showing through you. You don't even notice it, but people are watching you. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be you praying for you not cussing. Correct. It could be those subtle examples. If I could add something real quick. Please do. Just to him. It's it's I think the power of evangelizing is so is so great. You know, the the story that I think about is, you know, Paul and Silas <clears throat> when they're in prison 
and you know they're singing. They're in this horrible situation, and they're singing out, and they're in the inner prison to think, you know, the people around those other prisoners, what were they thinking, you know? Me and <clears throat> me and a buddy from uh, from school, I, I should say, uh, I brought him to a church. He's been coming along, and uh, we'll go to the rec center or something like that, and then we'll go to like a Taco Bell and have a little Bible study right in the middle of a Taco Bell. Nice. It's it's people would come up and one guy's like, what are you you reading a dictionary? You know, like he, you're it's like pretty much. It's almost more acceptable to be reading a dictionary than the Bible. Right. So you know, it's it's this power that we have that we should use to be singing like Paul or to have a little prayer or to you know that people want they're looking for something you know they they want to see you know what we're reading what we're talking about absolutely you know absolutely. that little stuff that we can make is a is a big but that takes boldness and, and the truth is that I wonder what we're afraid of we've really been as Christians pushed into the corner we serve God. You know who made the world and all those friends of yours? Our God, and for some of us, our Father. We have that right. Not to be abrasive, but we have the right to stand up for what is true. We don't get pushed in a corner. We don't get, okay, we're, we're not allowed, we're, we're too embarrassed. Embarrassed of what? God sees you. This is His world. There's a song that we were listening to, the second chapter of Acts, He's just saying, this is my Father's world. The devil has taken, he's been wanting to do from day one, to sit in God's place in my world. Jesus says that the devil is the prince of this world. In other words, he, the world system. But this, is, this creation is God's world. This is my Father's world. We'll stand up for what's true in a Christ-like manner. I will live my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It's just foolish to think that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world is a comforting thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. And that's how I felt before Christ opened my eyes, changed my heart, and reversed my thinking. I am lost and in need of saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be, is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. It's foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs. Pretty cool, eh? How much more do we have? We have about 15 minutes.
In a moment, I'm going to play another video for you guys. We talked about holiness, purity, worldliness. We talked about legalism. Do you know what the enemy of holiness is? Worldliness. And we live in a world that really wants to push worldliness um, or really wants us to believe that worldliness will make us happy. Now, I, I don't want us to think that worldliness is only externals. You see, the Amish and the Mennonite believe this very much. They believe that anything that's associated with the world is considered worldliness. So they dress and act a certain way and they, they, they do everything contrary as much as they understand away from the world. Worldliness. When the Bible talks God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's one world. When it, the Bible says love not the things of the world, that's another world. There's the world, the cosmos, there's people, there's the world system. Worldliness is the mindset of the world. And more importantly than external, it's internal. A world, worldliness mindset. Can anybody give me examples of what something, something that would be considered worldliness or worldly that's internal? Can someone give me any examples? Pardon me? Pride. Pride. Good. Yes. Lust. Very good. Love not the things of the world, the pride of life and the lust of the eyes. Yes? Um, your thought life, kind of like what your thoughts are directed if it's on like getting a nice house and a nice car and all that, or rather than or serving. Or the things of Christ. But you know, I, I know some people, and um, there are some individuals, forget I know some people, I shouldn't have started that sentence with that. There are some individuals, no, I just totally blew it, but there are individuals who don't have the external things but are so worldly minded. They don't have a big house. They don't have a fancy car. They don't have nice clothes. They have a huge bank account. Because their money defines them. And they need all this money because they want to pass it on. And they, they sleep well knowing that they see all those digits in the bank account. They don't wear fancy, fashionable clothes. They don't have a big house. No expensive car. It's a worldly mindset. Somebody once said, that Christians should have zero balances in their account. You're constantly giving. and God's constantly replenishing. Worldliness is in opposition to holiness. We talked a little bit about the externals of worldliness, which we don't want to eliminate. It's not just externals. But the worldliness, the fashions in the world. You know, especially you talk about the way you know, society portrays women. We talk about those skimpy clothing. The skimpy clothing that some women wear. And, and it's just... It's, on, it's everywhere. All these uh, you know, magazine racks and, and these newsstands. You're pressured to be thin, to look beautiful, to wear makeup, to wear jewelry, to wear shirt clothes and tight clothes and everything else. And guys to look, you know, really, I almost feel like guys are pushed to look like homosexuals. Because the purpose of Satan is always to reverse the role that God intended. The role was for, for the man to be the, the, the godly man, the priestly man. And then Satan said, no, no, no. We've got to give women power. And they've got to be in charge. And so you had the women's liberation movement in the you know, 60s that really pushed this. And, and men have kind of become wimps. And that's why even all these video games, guys, I'm being very serious. It's just a distraction. 
It's mental mush. If you're 19 years old and you're playing video games, it's wrong. Simple as that. You should be preoccupied with more important things in life. We're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. I want to play, did you guys ever watch the YouTube video Lifehouse skit? Okay, this is really powerful. I don't know, I, I really like this. I got a couple more videos I want to play for you guys. I'm sure you guys would rather watch videos than hear me talk anyway, so let me play this for you guys. You and I might spend about 70 to 80 years on this earth. Not long when you consider the timeline of eternity. Have you ever wondered what life is all about? Every day we get bombarded with the message to pursue the things of this world. Make money, get stuff, be comfortable, live well. More, 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 and me, me, me. That's the prevailing message of our day. Our generation has a hijacked version of the American dream. But as Christians, we know deep down this distorted view of life isn't real life. We read what the Bible teaches and we see how Jesus lived. Every day we face a choice to pursue the me, me, me mindset of the American dream or to pursue Christ. What if this generation was willing to trade in the pursuit of the American dream for a world that desperately needs Christ to be traitors? A trader is a new kind of missionary, not defined by geography. Where you live doesn't make you a missionary. The mission you're on makes you a missionary. Being a trader is a movement that requires us to live out our faith, not just talk about it. As a trader, we must choose daily to sacrifice and be intentional with our time, money, and skills. We can be like the Good Samaritan in the parable. When we're on the road of life and see someone in need, we choose to help. We follow Jesus' instructions to go and do likewise. A trader must hate injustice and find specific ways to bring the hope found in Jesus to desperate situations. It's easy to identify what you hate. What makes your heart break and your fists clench? A trader sees work as worship. Everything you do in life, including your job, can be an opportunity to worship the God who created you. Because God is glorified when we use our God-given passions and skills with excellence. And finally, a trader must act swiftly because the time is right now. The result of all this would be a generation of traders who are making choices with their time, money, and passions that are kingdom-focused and not self-focused so that our short time here can have an eternal impact. I want to open the floor to discussion. Anybody want to talk about... Uh, well, let's get rid of that first. Anybody want to talk about what we discussed this morning? We have uh, about 10 minutes to go. Have I left you all speechless? That's good. Holiness. Purity. Worldliness. Separation. That's a big one. Separation from the world. You all have to make choices. You either love God or you love the world. If you love God, you will have to make a choice to be separate from the world. Don't think 
that you can use that excuse, well, I just want to witness to my friends. Praise God that you do. Nine times out of ten, it's just an excuse to do what they're doing. You get sucked into the trap of sin. I've heard people say, and we talked about this, I think, two, three years ago, you know, I don't think there's any wrong to go to a bar, you know, and, and you know, have a beer because, you know, you can have a great conversation, witness to people. It's a bunch of baloney. You go to the bar because you want to drink. And to pacify and, and justify yourself, you say, well, I'll throw some God into the equation. I know I did that. It's a lie. We do it to appease our conscience. Unless God tells you specifically to go someplace. Now don't use that as an excuse. Separation from the world. You young men and women are the next generation of Christians. You guys will be responsible for your generation of people. God will hold you guys responsible for your friends who are going to hell and don't know the message of Jesus Christ. It's a high and heavenly calling, but it's really rewarding. The pay is out of this world. Literally. What are some examples we can use? Give me some real-life examples. Some of you different age groups. I know we've got 16 to 19 year olds this morning. Give me some real life examples of how we can reach out to the lost, yet be holy, pure, not allow worldliness to creep in, and be separate. Some real examples. Don't, don't, don't pretend that if you give an example, people think, oh, you know what, she thinks she has it all together, or he does. Give me real examples. We want to learn from each other. Yes? Excellent. Excellent example. Sarah, right? Good, Sarah. She's probably the only one I know here. No, there's another Sarah there. There she is. Okay. Good example. Take someone in. Sit down. Have a meal with them. What else? What about in school? Give me your everyday, you know, what are some of the things that you get tempted with that are very difficult? You're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. How many of you young ladies bring a second change of clothes? You leave home with one set, and then you put on a different set at school. You guys shouldn't be laughing. Hopefully you guys aren't doing that. Right? Or you have your makeup bag. Mom and dad will kill you if you have makeup. Once you say bye to them, you're like in the washroom dabbling yourself up. Not being real. Yes. Um, something as simple as being uh, obedient to your parents. I think if you actually are going to obey your parents, I mean, it's not that hard. And when you're obedient to your parents, you know, you kind of have that that habit of listening to authority and not having a problem with authority. If you can be obedient to your parents, you can be obedient to God. Absolutely. Well put. Very true. We rebel against our parents. We think they're old-fashioned. We think they're legalistic. We think all the... You know what? Let me tell you, there's a blessing. Does anyone know what the blessing is of being obedient to your parents? Pardon me? A 
Of course you know what your parents keep telling you that, isn't it? You'll live long if you listen to me, right? They're true, they're right. They they may have some old school views. That's okay. Old school never hurts you. You want to reach out people for Christ. You want your parents' blessing on it. They just don't understand. Well, if you're obedient to them and you show them the love of Christ and you submit yourself to their authority, then they'll stop and look and say, hey, you know what? Maybe there's something here. I've seen so many parents change for the good because of their children. Because of their children's response to the Gospel and being obedient, they're like, hey, maybe there's more to just playing church. But it starts with obedience. And that follows through with your teachers and then with the authority later on in life. Yes, Sarah? Absolutely. Has anyone read that email about that young kid who was leaving home packing up his stuff? Guy was on his way, anyways, he was packing up his stuff, and I don't know if it's a true story, I think it is, and he was on his way uh, home, and uh, some bullies came by, kicked the books out of his hands, you know, make fun of him, and uh, you know, the guy picked them all up, and he was on his way home. But another guy came by and said, hey, listen, can I give you a hand? He's like, no, no, I'm fine. He said, no, listen, let me just, you know, wait, let me just give you a hand. You've got a ton of books here. I don't know, you clean out your locker. He's like, I'll walk you home. Where do you live? Down here. He's like, I just live around the corner. They walk home, they become friends, and they spend the rest of their high school years together. College, and then in university, and I'm, I'm really shortening the story, shortening the story. But in university, the guy gets up who picked up those books, and he gives up and he shares his, his acceptance or whatever, his graduation speech, I should say. And he shares a story how when he was in grade nine high school, the weekend his parents went up to the cottage, he cleaned out his locker, and he was on his way home to kill himself. He was bullied all his life. And his friend came by. And his friend was just blown away sitting in the audience going, I had no idea. He said, if it wasn't for my friend, I wouldn't have been here today. Look at young men and women. Some of you are tempted with that. That's a reality. I, I can't sugarcoat. I can't, I, can't, I can't play something that's not real. I can't pretend. You guys face, some, some of you may face that thought. That's a reality. Some of your friends face that thought. You be there for them. You make sure life isn't about me, me, me. That goes for us Christians as well as un- unconverted, but specifically for you Christians. It's not about me, me, me. Our reward is in heaven. Whatever we get here, it's a bonus. Who cares? They have a good life, we have a bad life. Who cares? It's 70, 80 years. It's nothing compared to eternity. You go through highs, you go through life. You're one time sitting, basking in the sun. The next moment, you're dashed on the rocks. That's life. Look out for other people. Be there. Because some of them have these thoughts. Some of us have these thoughts. That's life. Don't you ever make fun of other people. God will hold you accountable for that. There's some, there's some, I don't know, it just rings. It's nice to be a hero. It's nice to stand true. It's nice to be that person that protects those who aren't protected. Men, you be that. Women, you be that. Women, you have a way to bully other women. Us guys can't compare to that. It's an emotional bullying because women want to feel accepted. They'll do everything they can to be accepted. You make sure you don't make, make someone feel less than worthy. You say good things about people. You find something nice to say about people and men as well. Be real people. Real young men and women for God. Anyone else? 
that before you can do anything, you have to be prepared. This this word that we are given is, I think, the best thing in the world. Don't think, brother. It is the best thing. <laughs> we have to we have to know it and study it. And I'm, I'm sure I know in, in my life, and I'm sure in others. There's been that time where someone, you know, had that opportunity to give them the gospel, and you just weren't really prepared. You didn't have, you know, that that setup. We have to be thinking about this. That this is why we're here. That's the commission of us. We have to be here, and we have to know this word and study it and be prepared. Because we we can be in that situation to you know give the give the guy on the side of the road some money you know but we know what to say and you know maybe keep in touch or something we have to you know be prepared for it and that's something that you know we can never lose absolutely absolutely yes I think that sticking up for God as well like when we're in school and people use God in vain. Um, I think that we really need to be bold because that's our God that, you know, they can't belittle him. Like, like I know, even I have a problem with that. Like, if someone uses God's name in school, like, like, or uses that as a cuss word, would they use their mom's name as a cuss word? I mean, but he's God, you know, and I think that we just need to be much bolder because I know that when we're in heaven and we're looking down at our past life, we're going to be wishing we did everything possible, like, the best. Well, I know when we get older, we'll be thinking that. I'm glad that once we're in heaven, I hope I don't look back on my life in heaven. We're not going to be, you know, I don't want to be seeing Dennis when I'm up in heaven. But you're right, when we get older, we'll be looking at past regrets. And we need to seize every opportunity to witness and to stand up. But, but you know, it's, it's a way we say it. Because if we come across, remember, the moment you said, somebody told me this as well. The moment you say you're a Christian, without saying anything else, you've immediately said to the other person that you're better than them. You haven't said anything else. In their eyes, by saying you're a believer, or by them knowing you're a believer, immediately you've just said, I'm better than you. And so you have to work with the mindset knowing that they think, that you think, that you're better than them. You've got to kill them with love. Relate to them. Don't be a holy roller. Don't be a, you know, I don't, know, I don't touch sin. You're a sinner. You're filthy. And God saved you. And He loves them just as much as He loves you. Make sure you reach out with that Christ-like love to them. Let me read this about unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We always say that in marriage, right? Don't, be, don't marry an unbeliever. Got to be equally yoked. And then in our fellowship, we know the practice we marry within our fellowship. But whoever you marry, if it's a believer, you want to make sure that they're equally yoked with you. But that doesn't go just with marriage. In the Christian walk, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Your friends, if 90% of your friends are in the world, are from the world, you're unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You are joined together with an unbeliever. What fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What has communion with darkness? What, what communion has light with darkness? And what concord, it says, what concord, what accord does Christ have with Belial, with the devils? And what part has he that believes with an infidel, which is an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What does that mean? The temple of God with idols. What union does the temple of God have with idols? 
Who's the temple of God? Pardon me? Louder. We are. The Bible said He has placed this treasure in earthen vessels. You and I are the temple of God. It's not the church. God's Spirit doesn't wait in the church and He's outside the church. When we come to church, we meet God. God dwells in our hearts. We take God wherever we go. We are the temple of God. And God says, what communion, what accord, what fellowship does the temple of God have with a temple of idols? Because what's in an unbeliever's heart? Idols. Me. Putting themselves up. It's all pride, life, everything. Separation. It's what God calls us to do and to be holy for Christ. Let's wrap up in a prayer. If there's anyone else who wants to comment before we have a closing prayer, brother, can I ask you to pray after? Yes. Anybody else have a closing thought? It's been a pleasure teaching you guys for him this year. For your sakes, take to heart what you learned this morning. You have been made with a purpose. God loves you so much, He wants to reveal His purpose in your life. And you will be the best you can ever be when you align your will with God's will and say, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to Thee. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, we thank You, Lord, so much for this young heart. Oh Lord, they did not come by mistake. You have a purpose for them. You have a purpose, Lord, for them to change their hearts, to turn unto you. Oh Lord Jesus, you died for them. Let them be in their hearts that you died for them, that they can be free, Lord, only if they call upon you. As we saw in the video, Lord, what the sin Satan wants to do with us, with them. Even with us, Lord, that we are converted, give ourselves to, to you. Satan tries to rip us off from you. But Lord, we know that you died for us. That thy blood washed us away. We call upon you, Lord, because we call upon you, Lord, we can reach to you. Oh, Lord, as Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, Lord, ask, can I walk too? Jesus said, yes, come to me. And he said, look at me. And he walked on the water. But Satan tried to rip him off and put pleasure in our hearts and told him, look at the side, and he was afraid. And that's what's happening to us. When Jesus is calling to respond and look at him, and he will make us free. We ask all this in his holy name. Amen. Amen.